I'm Alicia and you're listening to Brown Girls Lit and we are back again um, for a really special episode because I'm going to disclose this right now I was actually supposed to email you maybe like a year ago um, and I was super nervous and I was like I can't like she's too big we can't we can't I think she's going to come on the podcast oh my god really <laughs> um, I was like so super intimidated and then the other day I had like a burst of like courage and I was like do you know what the worst she can say is no. And then she said yes. So we have a really amazing guest here. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, um, I'm Talia, Talia Hibbert, and I am a romance novelist. I write sexy, diverse romance, and I really like biscuits. I, I feel like there might be some people listening and be like, yes, biscuits is the most important part of that. <laughs> However, I really want it. People who've listened to the podcast will know that it is the romance writer <laughs> diverse books that are the reason why I'm super excited right now because I actually I haven't been followed, like stalking you but like I followed your makeup account on Twitter like oh my god before. really yeah, yeah that, was what, <laughs> that was how I found you because like oh I was like gosh. she does amazing makeup cool and then I think you promoted like a book, one of your first like books yeah when I was and then, starting out yeah and then I went on to that one and then I was like oh Tally Hibbert but your makeup name was something different I was like I don't actually know what your name is but <laughs> <laughs> woman of mystery <laughs> exactly um, and it was either Mary Inkness or Bad for the Boss um and I read it and I was like I haven't had these feels since fan fiction like, I haven't been this into reading, because I, I read, but like, mm. and then I was like, oh my God, is them are there more like this? Can I get more of this content? And you had, I can't remember, you had, you had released a few books by that point, so I read loads of your books, and what I love about the romance world, particularly on Twitter, is that everybody's promoting each other's shit. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh yeah, like, look at what my friend's doing, and I'm like, mm okay put that onto the list. and then like you're like read this and I'm like oh and so now I have like a um screenshot folder of like 86 pictures that I'm just like oh let me just and then put that in the folder oh my god that's amazing yeah so I just want to say thank you for introducing me to this world and be for being such a great writer because um you know especially during this lockdown girl you saved me oh my god thank you so much like that really means a lot and especially you know because I love romance and I've read it for so long and so one of my favorite things is being able to say like hey everyone read this book read this author and so I just love the idea that like I was able to hook you up and <laughs> absolutely and then so naturally I was then to all my friends was like guys have you been reading telling him it books and then they're like no and I'm like but why <laughs> what what is the reason and then like like what was the reason shouts Cardi B um, and, then I, and then I was like to Ica, how long was I telling you like you need to get on these books too long is the answer because um you know I joke that like the main meme that I've used during all of lockdown like since this time last year oh it's been a year um is <laughs> You know the meme from Parks and the Recreation where Ben's like, it's all about the cones, but someone's like, sp- like cover the word cones with yearning, and I'm just oh, like, oh, I love that. Yearning. Like, <laughs> someone sent me that. I saw it on Twitter or something like that. I downloaded it, and it's literally my most used picture for like the last year. Like, if someone had to run the numbers on that, I'm like the amount of times I've sent someone, just it's all about the yearning. I've received <laughs> it like five times. Alicia <laughs> well, can attest. Um, <laughs> Like I, I fully have to throw my hands up and be like, I think I fell into like big fiction's trap of being like, oh, you know, um, romance is like lesser than other types of fiction, which I'm now just like, excuse you. Because um, like Alicia, to be fair, my friendship with Alicia has been an indoctrination into like wonderful types of pop culture that I just wouldn't have gone near myself, which started off with like rom-coms 
um because I just feel like a rom-com is good for the soul and then mm-hmm. I was just like I read so much and so widely why haven't I touched this genre before and I think part of it was because like I just thought it was like a white girl thing mm-hmm. like chick lit specifically is like aimed at like white women having a beach read um mm-hmm. and then Alicia I'm kind of glad that I held off on it actually until Alicia like introduced me to your work because when I tell you that I I read <laughs> I read um Get a Life Croak Chloe Brown and um and also uh Danny Brown, Danny's book as well this week and I was just texting Alicia at three o'clock in the morning and be like okay I have some thoughts you're not like we had to have a zoom call yesterday <laughs> Because I was like, I'm too excited. Like, we need to get this out to each other so we don't scare you. <laughs> <laughs> and also because I had just finished Take a Hint Danny Brown mm. and I had just finished crying. And I was like, let's let's come together and let's let's form a little friendship circle and <laughs> heal each other and just get really hyped for today. So, like, I don't know, where do we start? Where do we start? Like your book center. I think like 98% of the time, um, black women. Um, I think the only one I can remember off the top of my head was maybe Damaged Good, where the, the woman was white, but then she was also a plus size woman. And, and you know, you've got such good representation in terms of Chloe Brown and, you know, she's got fibromyalgia. And then you've got Ruth from um, a girl like her and she's autistic. And so you are covering so many bases. like. Is it just like you woke up and were like, I am not seeing enough of what I want to be seeing in this this genre? Like, how did you get from like, I love romance, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way. It was a lot of different things. I, first of all, like Ikra said, I feel in this country specifically, maybe not so much in the US, um, chiclet is the the kind of genre name for romance and women's fiction being glommed together. And it is marketed as being for white women, even though, as we've all discovered, that doesn't reflect the actual content that's out there. That's how it's pushed. And when I was younger and I discovered romance, I was reading books from my local library, which is a very white area. So that's how it was presented to me as well. There were only these white authors there. Um, And it actually wasn't until I was older and I was able to download eBooks that I discovered that actually there was so much more out there. And being able to read books with black women at the forefront was such a major experience for me and stayed with me so much that that's why I decided to write the kind of books that I write. It was like, I, I love this and I wanna to add to it and I need there to be more, right? Um, and actually, like you mentioned, the only white heroine I've had was Laura from Damaged Goods. And I kind of wrote that by accident because I wrote Ruth's story. And in the background of that book, Laura is in an abusive relationship. And I was like, I can't just leave her there. Like, <laughs> I have to write something about this. Um, so that's how that happened. But, you know, when I started writing and still my priority was just writing all the countless stories that I wanted to see in the world for black women. I think that that's something that definitely comes over in your books over and over again is black women being loved on and loved on so purely and so strongly. Um, And it's never in spite of anything. It is uh, even the flaw that they have, it is also because of that flaw, you know, such as like with Take a Hint, um, Danny Brown, like she's super independent. She, you know, isn't really into relationships and she just kind of wants a fuck buddy. Um, and she's very clear about that. And she puts her work before everything. And even though she's like, that is a reason in the past people haven't loved me. <sighs> Sweet baby Zaff. <laughs> Sweet baby Zaff is like, this is why I love you. And he is literally there for her and loves her so strongly and loudly without saying it. Because when when we are just spoiling these books for you guys, but like <laughs> I don't you don't care because you need to read it and you also need to know what happens in them. Um, when he is like, I love you, I was like, girl, you didn't know. You didn't know. <laughs> you write really you write great leads, but then you also write really sympathetic men you know 
because men men are annoying <laughs> so um and it's international women's day so i can't say that um, but you write men that are really i, I was saying to icarus today devoid of toxic masculinity like i don't get any of that toxicity from them you know so i'm rooting for them loud and clear like sometimes i'm even a bit mad at the lead i'm like girl like he is out here he's put his heart on the line for you um i know Ikra has actual questions because me i'm just i'm just being like <laughs> i mean i think the less questions the more just thoughts that, that i definitely want you to weigh in on <laughs> but not in the way that like a white man at the end of a seminar goes i have a question and it is just <laughs> not in that way. and the two things that really struck me about your books are first off like at the beginning because you really explore stuff like abusive relationships like this is just going off me having read a couple of your books um like the experience of disability um i know that like you focus on autistic characters quite a lot i'm very excited to read about that my partner's autistic um and also like you talk about sort of very complicated feelings and and and, and issues and i think having like a little note at the, the front of your book which is kind of like a little content warning just saying hey this is what it's about um it, it's i think your books are the first time i've seen that and I know that a lot of people have picked up literary fiction or just fiction generally and like not been ready for what's inside it. And been like, you know what? Games come with content warnings. Like, you know, even films come with like, it's a 15s because X, Y, Z. And then like, it was the first time I thought, wait, why don't books come with that? So what was the, um, yeah, what was the reasoning behind that? And like, thank you for doing it. Um. You know, for one thing, I've had that same experience where you pick up a book and you're not prepared for what's inside it. And sometimes, you know, you can kind of catch hints of it on the page and be like, oh, I think I know where this is going and skip the chapter or whatever. But other times you just wind up stressed and unexpectedly upset. And now you've got to deal with this huge mental load that you didn't accommodate for. And I hate that. Um, but also, you know, I really have to give credit to um, a friend of mine who has now passed away, um, Corey Alexander, who was an author and kind of uh, a romance critic and commentator. And they really spoke out for all kinds of inclusivity, especially around disability and mental health. And one thing they did on their blog when they were recommending and reviewing books, which they did a lot, was they always included this extensive list of content warnings and potential triggers. And reading that and realizing how much I appreciated that was really the main catalyst for me being like, okay, if I think it's so great, why am I not putting it in my books? <laughs> so that, you know, they're very much, I think the reason why I do that. Um, and I'm, you know, the number of people who are kind of like, oh, I actually really appreciated this. It just makes me so happy that I thought to do it. I think it's really good as well, because a lot of people read romance for escapism. I know that's exactly what I, why I do it. But I love to know what I'm getting myself into, um, even though I'm not like necessarily easily triggered. But I just like to know what is coming up so I can prepare myself and be like it's going to be some bumps in the road there's going to be a little bit of sadness here but then also what you get with very much is at the end you know happy endings mm. guaranteed and maybe even an epilogue <laughs> yeah um uh, but in terms sorry go ahead oh thank you um I think for me um reading take a hint Danny Brown um knowing that it dealt with grief like um, as, as someone who's experienced grief myself I was just like I'm, I'm a big sort of like feelings reader where I'm like I pick up a book and I'm like do I feel like reading this right now mm. it was just really cool to be like yeah I'm, I'm in the mood to to tackle that that's totally cool so yeah I, I really really appreciated it sorry Alicia, what you can say it's gone but I oh, love point um speaking of like the mental illness another thing that kind of comes through um take a hint Danny Brown is kind of like his generalized anxiety and obviously it like it's perpetuated by grief but it's just something that he already has and he's always had it um and I really resonated with it with somebody who's had anxiety and even the bit that honestly it made me laugh where um he's trying to call somebody and they don't answer and he's like well clearly they've died <laughs> and then he's thinking of all these days I was like that's me <laughs> how do you um when you when you're formulating your characters 
you know how do you kind of think about how you know what how, how do you form them you know is it do you daydream and, you, and then as you're forming them out you're like oh he I think he would be a really good vehicle to kind of show anxiety or grief or is it the storyline that comes first and then you what's what's your process your motivation <laughs> for me it's usually characters first um and Zaph is actually a great example I when I was at university um I kind of, I was, I used to walk around campus a lot in between classes because I like walking um, and I'd observe people, I suppose. And sometimes I'd observe the security guards around campus and be like, it would be great if these security guards were like hot, right? And it was a romance novel. <laughs> and, you know, you see them every day and have a little conversation with them. And that was years before I ever actually wrote Zaf, but that is where his character came from. Like, I didn't have a story for that concept yet, but it was in my head. And when I did eventually come to really drill down into what his character was, who he was gonna be, I didn't think I want to write a character with anxiety. I was just thinking about him and anxiety is one of the many things that people have. So it was just one of the many possibilities of things that might affect his life. And it was, um, you know, I was thinking about his thoughts and the way he interacts with the world. And when I was imagining him, he kept imagining worst case scenarios. And I was like, why is he doing this? Like, why is he so stressed? And then I was like, oh, he has anxiety. <laughs> and it just kind of, it was just all the different factors of his life and personality coming together that made me think, okay, this makes sense for you. I've actually just realised that we have been talking about, take a hint, um, Danny Brown and get a clue, Chloe Brown. And some readers may not have um, kind of an idea of what they're about or what the series is about. So maybe this is where we kind of say, Talia, like hear it from the author's mouth herself. <laughs> like, what, what is this series about? Okay, so the Brown Sisters series is the first rom-com series I've ever written. My prior books I think they were funny I hope they were funny but they weren't explicitly rom-coms they were just romance um so the brown sisters books was me trying to keep the emotional core that I like in my writing but also make it very light-hearted and hopefully have some proper laugh out loud moments in there um and the first book is about the older sister Chloe who is dealing with chronic pain and fibromyalgia and you know, because of how people react to her and because of the things she has to do to take care of herself, she's let herself become very isolated. Um, but she decides that she needs to fix that. And she enlists the help of her building superintendent, who is kind of super confident and a bit of a bad boy to help her. But the thing is, you know, he has some difficulties of his own um, and they kind of help each other through that. And um, then take a hint, Danny Brown, the next book is about Chloe's sister, Danny, who is an academic and a workaholic and she doesn't believe in love. And she has to fake a relationship with her friend, a security guard at work, Zaf, who is a hopeless romantic. Um, and they become friends with benefits, which I was talking to someone about this the other day. So they're fake dating and they're friends with benefits, but somehow in her mind, they are not together. But obviously in his mind, they are absolutely together. <laughs> and that causes some friction. <laughs> and then um, actually tomorrow, the third and final book about the last sister Eve is coming out. So that's called Act Your Age, Eve Brown. And it's coming out on the 9th of March. And that is about um, the youngest sister who kind of feels like she's a bit of a disappointment and she needs to, you know, figure out who she is and acts like an adult. So she goes looking for a job and winds up the chef of a bed and breakfast in a small town that's run by a super uptight hero who is her polar opposite. Um, and it's kind of about both of them learning to love and respect each other's differences. And it's also about Eve discovering that she is autistic because the hero, Jacob, is autistic. And she has that moment that a lot of us have when you feel like you're different from everyone else, but then you meet someone and you're like, oh, you're like me. So that was a lot of fun to write. I didn't realise that last bit. I love that. 
We <laughs> am so going funny. to devour that book. You do not yeah. understand. You know, it's actually really funny as you were saying, like, oh, friends with benefits, or fake dating, <laughs> and then you know what? You know that song, shut, shut, shut. I was just hearing, chop, 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 all the tropes. <laughs> you know, one of the things I love so much about your writing is. I know what the trope is. We all know what the trope is going in and yet it still seems like really fresh. Like, I think one of the conversations Alicia and I had were like, what are your favorite romance tropes? I was like, I am a sucker for enemies to lovers. And, and there was one bed. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that could possibly happen. Um, as though I don't, as though I don't want to. Um, <laughs> but, I love a, a fake dating. Mm. I, do, I do really love a fake dating. I love forced, um, what's it called proximity force proximity i do i do enjoy that enemies all of them, all of them. <laughs> what what are your actual what are your favorites if you're gonna pick like your top three to read or write about oh my god i love tropes like and i love layering tropes it's just so much fun um but my favorite would be i feel like there's only one bed is kind of an intense offshoot of forced proximity Yes. Right? <laughs> so I love both those. Um, I love marriage of convenience, which I feel is also a kind of forced proximity. Yeah. It's like a social and emotional forced proximity. Um, and I really love, it's tough. I love friends to lovers and I love enemies to lovers. And I feel like they have a lot more similarities than you might think, right? Because to really be enemies with someone, you have to know them quite well. Mm. So a lot of the time there's a lot of familiarity and whether it's friends to lovers or enemies to lovers the only difference is like are you going to be super comfortable around this person or is it going to be constant sparks but that's the only difference no I'm just like yeah they all sound delicious I was <laughs> up here for all of them <laughs> yeah um the other thing that really really struck me actually when I was reading uh, the two brown sisters books that were already out um, was that your your characters are just so well done so I'm like someone from a South Asian background and a Muslim background so when I was reading Zaf I was like here it is like it's someone from a different cultural background to you probably like a different religious background to you um, and the thing that I was saying to Alicia last night when we were talking about what we've read and like just having a little debrief sesh um, I was saying that like whenever you get white writers who are asked why their books aren't more diverse or, you know, they go one of two ways where they, they say, oh, you know, um, I just want to be respectful. I just don't feel like it's my place. And we're like, you can have background characters or like a second lead who is not white. It's fine. But you're not going to get crucified for it so long as you do it well. And there's other people who are like, it just can't be done. I just can't do it. <laughs> it's impossible. Like, da, 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 da. And I'm just like, just, just looking at like everything about Zaf is so well done from like divorcing like culture and tradition and religion from each other. So you're like, you know, obviously he's not representative of everyone who's Muslim, but also um, down to like the honorifics that, um, you know, the entire family uses to like talk to each other. Like he refers to his brother as Zain Bai, which is like what people do. They say Bai or Baji or Abi or something like that for their siblings who are older than them to like the way that Fatima specifically refers to Zaf as Jaju, which is like, the honorific you use for your dad's younger brother and I was like all of this is so accurate and it's done so well and like his family's so lovely and it's such a like it's such a good portrayal of a South Asian family and it was just amazing and I think it's the first time I've read something I'm like I know for a fact that the writer is not from that cultural background but they could have been because it's done so well so first off thank you and secondly <laughs> like, yeah just tell us about like how you go about researching that or like where it all comes from um mm. because I just my mind is blown. <laughs> um, a lot of the time when I include different cultures, it's usually because, you know, there's people in my life who are from that culture and it just makes sense for me to include them in this world because they're included in my world. So um, my godmother is Pakistani and a lot of my friends are South Asian. So I can't write books with no South Asian people in them because that would just be weird to me. Um, so when I am, you know, like you said, it's one thing to have like, um, like a side character or a friend or something who is of a different culture because while they're there, it might not go as in depth into their culture versus a main character who you're gonna see their family, you're gonna be with them 
half of the time. So especially when I was writing Zaf and his family, I really obviously wanted to do a good job. And I just have to shout out all my friends who, because I hate reading when I'm researching, I hate reading. So I just bother my friends instead. I'm like, hey, if you were going to do this, like, how would you do it? Or what would you say? You know, all of my friends who are of a similar background to Zaf. And then I'll be like, can you read this and like, tell me if it sucks? And they're like, leave me alone, but okay. Um, <laughs> so my main source of research is definitely just talking to people, especially like a wide range of people. And then also sensitivity reads. I know that, you know, sometimes when people mess up, for example, black representation, They'll be like, well, I had a sensitivity read from my friend Georgia and Georgia loved it. And I'm like, that's great. But Georgia is one person. So it's always important to me to have input from real people, but multiple people as well, because communities are full of differences, even when, you know, you have all these similarities. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's mainly it. So basically, people need to widen their friendship groups which I think is a thing people need to do anyway you know you can't expect to be writing about people from different backgrounds if you've never interacted with yeah. people from those backgrounds exactly um, yeah I think we had a conversation about this I can't remember if it was on like a podcast episode or a radio show that we did where we were talking about I may destroy you and um and Fleabag basically being obviously they're set in the same uh city and mm -hmm. they're like coming of age stories for like young women but the way that they're written really reflect the lives and the circles of like mm. the, the, the showrunner, the, the main character, the, the writer, because one version of London is very, very white and the other version is very diverse. And it's, it, it, I think when I look at the way that writers, white writers specifically talk about like the impossibility of writing people from other cultures, I'm like, well, you're just telling on yourself because what you're telling me is you don't have any friends from any other cultural background. Um, and that always weirds me out and because I just feel like as people of colour we always gravitate to one another and like we don't have the same experiences but there's like enough overlap that yeah. we can understand things that like we that you'd have to explain to your white friends like one of the things that we say is like Alicia refers to my mum as auntie I refer to her mum as auntie Ruby and it's just like no one has to question it but we both do that thing where we go to a white person's house and we're like what do I call your mum? <laughs> and they never have a good answer. Because they like, <laughs> just call her Becky. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> or oh, you can keep your shoes on. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> um, but no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think also being people of colour, you're more sensitive to representing other people's culture well. Because mm, yeah. we've been on the receiving end of it where we've seen it not, not done so well. Um, but actually, I want to kind of pivot a little bit to your kind of journey as a writer, because you are a black woman. Um, you are um, autistic as well. Um, and so and I believe you also have fibromyalgia. Yeah, I do. I have some disabilities. <laughs> yeah. So um, so in terms of like this space, that, as we've mentioned, that was previously like really white. How did you kind of make your way into it? Because I know that the first, like the books that I mentioned at the beginning, I believe you published them yourself, right? Yeah. Like, yes, independent <laughs> publishing. Um, but like, how, why, what is that like? Is it stressful? I feel like it's stressful, but <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, so the, first of all, the whole reason why I could even conceive of doing this is because I saw other people doing it first and I was like oh oh really so <laughs> I'm just I'm really glad that you know it's like I said when I was able to buy my own ebooks everything changed because I was searching keywords that I'd been missing you know like ferociously typing romance black woman into the search bar <laughs> and then I found more and more authors who were writing these stories I'd always wanted to read and um, I like to read a book like front to back every word in the book I don't know why I think it's from when I was younger and we didn't have that many books so I was like I'm gonna make this book last um, so I would read the front where it would indicate in some of these books that it was self-published and I'd be like wait it's what 
you can do what now? <laughs> because one of the main reasons why I'd never believed I could be a writer was that publishing is kind of like a survival of the fittest where fittest actually means you know most palatable and I was aware that I didn't really hit the mark and I was like you know if a publisher is only going to choose one black person per season like realistically it's not going to be me um, but the fact that you could self-publish that opened a whole new world for me and then when I was in um, you know the summer before my last year of university and I realized like it's getting real I'm gonna have to get a job um, I ran into this roadblock of my my disabilities in the past when I had had jobs I had experienced a lot of discrimination and also just a lot of issues that weren't discrimination but were just reflective of how the industry and the country and the world is not built for people with disabilities and it had caused me a lot of problems and I was like how am I going to go out into the world and do this for the rest of my life I don't think I can I need to work for myself so that's when I decided to try self-publishing for that last year and see if it could be a career that could support me um, and so I just kind of put my all into it but again I was so supported by other authors you know like how you mentioned at the beginning that we're all recommending each other's books on Twitter and things like that once I plugged into that community there was so much support there was so much information you know these are like seasoned business people who are just giving out their information often for free and I'm like thank you so much <laughs> um, because it is stressful self-publishing is very difficult and you can do it on a smaller scale or a bigger scale um, and I started very small and kind of gradually built up based on my abilities and my understanding, but I am still nowhere near the heights that some people have taken self-publishing. Some people are really out here doing like Fortune 500 movements and I don't have the skill, <laughs> but I am in awe. <laughs> but the Browns Girls books aren't self-published, are they? They are with a publishing house? Yes, they're with, um, in the US, they're with Avon HarperCollins, and my UK publisher is Piatkus, I want to say. Names, 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 HarperCollins. <laughs> and the fact like, that's how you, you've made it. Well, in the US, it's <laughs> <laughs> bad bitch. <laughs> I was just going to ask, what was that process like, moving from self-publishing to being published by a publishing house? And you know, do you think that there are like pros and cons to both? Definitely. I um, I got my agent through my self-published books. And when she was like, you know, we can, because she helps me sell sub rights for my self-published books, but she was like, also, you know, we can submit something for a traditional publisher. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. But in my head, like, what the fuck? Like, how am I going to do that? I can't do that. <laughs> So it took some months of her being like, hey, are we going to do that thing? And me being like, yeah, <laughs> no, um, before I actually did it. Because <laughs> I was like, this is just not going to work out for me. Like, I know it's not. <laughs> but um, I was surprised that it did. Um, and I was really nervous about the whole transition because at that point I'd published a lot of books. And so there was an assumption that I knew certain things about publishing that I actually didn't. And the trouble with me is, and I think a lot of British people are like this, you don't wanna be the person who's like, hang on, I don't understand. <laughs> so I was just nodding along and then like frantically Googling later. Um, but eventually I got over that and realized like it's a team and it's collaborative and they want to support you. Um, so it's much easier now that I actually ask questions and I think it being collaborative is the main difference. You know, when you're self-publishing, you have to do everything yourself and that is difficult and challenging and exhausting, but also it offers you a lot of control and freedom. And for that reason, I believe that independent publishing in romance at least really is leading the market because, you know, these authors who are able to make their own decisions, decisions that a big publishing house would never touch with a barge pole, just because big companies have to Kind of stick to what they know or they don't dare to risk their profit margins and you know because of that self-published authors have made so many discoveries and changes and dictated so many trends and genre transformations um, and it's really good for those who 
love marketing as much as they love of uh, love marketing as much as they love writing um mm. but then on the flip side you know if you are someone who just wants to write then traditional publishing is better for you even though it's harder to access um and for me i like both because sometimes i really want control and sometimes i want to be experimental and try relatively new things but other times i have a story that i know is gonna fit fine with a traditional publisher and i'm like well i might as well let you do it because i'm not as good at that so <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah go on Ipa. i feel like i asked the last one yeah okay um i think the thing i was gonna ask is I always love hearing what people are reading at the moment and like who, like whose work they're loving right now. Because when I tell you that I am, um, I fully like added three friends to our like Google like family so they can access my eBooks and be like, you must, you must read these two books that I downloaded this week. <laughs> they're very, very good. Um, so who are you reading at the moment in, in the genre? And also like, if you're reading other things as well um, and who would you like to give a little Oh, shout out to but we should all I'm gonna just be sat here taking notes <laughs> I almost entirely read romance the only time I don't read romance it's usually an accident um <laughs> like I, I read Gideon the ninth because someone was like it's lesbians in space and I was like oh and then I was like wait so the lesbians don't end up together why <laughs> <laughs> it was an amazing book I'm glad I accidentally read it but that was the last non-romance I read um, <laughs> As to what I'm reading right now, I actually, I have my, yes, I have my book phone with me because I forget names. So I like to keep it on me at all times so I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> so right now I'm reading, I'm rereading Sword Heart by T. Kingfisher, which is like an amazing fantasy romp. It's like a, a rom-com, but with a lot of violence. Um, it's about a woman who's kind of being held hostage by her deceased husband's family for like reasons. And then she finds an old sword and the sword is actually an enchanted man who's sworn to protect whoever holds the sword. So he's like, okay, let's get out of here. And then they go on like quests and it's amazing. And it's just so funny. Um, <laughs> and I'm also, because I have pandemic brain, I'm reading like several books at once. I'm also reading After Hours Attraction by Kiana Alexander which is, it's about a single mum who kind of has a crush on her boss and they work at a recording studio and he kind of has a crush on her, but he's like, oh, I'm her boss. And it's just them being cute and yearning. Like you said, it's about the yearning. <laughs> so I'm really enjoying that. And I'm reading Andre by Jace Ellis, which is, it's another office romance and I don't read a ton of those, but clearly I'm on an office romance kick. Um, it's about a guy who is trying to get, I mean, his job is accounting and I don't understand numbers. So I'm going to be very vague on this, but it's about a guy who's trying to build up his company and he's given an intern, but he slept with the intern um, before he knew that they were going to be working together. And now they have to work together and it's very awkward. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, as soon as she said, like, he slept with the intern, I was like, spicy. <laughs> and they're both, they're both guys and when they like realize the next day they get really angry and I'm like <gasps> are they gonna fight <laughs> why are they fighting <laughs> <laughs> like so much aggression in here please relax but I liked it um, and I recently finished Harbour by Rebecca Weatherspoon I love Rebecca Weatherspoon that was a banger um and my other favorite authors Tasha Suri, she writes fantasy romance as well. Absolutely incredible. Like sometimes I read something and I'm like, I might kill if I could write like you. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> I feel like that when I read you and when I read, uh, when I read Bolu Babalola's um, oh, Love in Colour and I yes. was like, the poetry. I love like, her. And I was like, and then I'll read your book and I'm like, how does one put words together in this way? Because a bit size, <laughs> but. Yeah, um, Alicia can attest to this actually. I recently was just like, I want to set myself 
the challenge of like trying to write different types of scenes and I was like I'm gonna write an intimate scene let's attempt it and I'm like maybe a third of the way through and I'm like this is hard (laughs) I I feel like you said to me you sent that to me maybe in like December like (laughs) anything more because I can't yet it was good though like so the bit that she sent me I was reading it and I was like it's spicy I like oh god I hope none of my extended family listen to this but it is what it is anyway (laughs) I was really struggling with it because I was just like I think language choice specifically is like it really like the importance of it comes to the fore when you're trying to write a scene like that because you're like this just sounds really cringy and this just sounds really impersonal and I feel like you strike the balance really well where you're like I'm not going to use flowery language I'm not going to like take away from like what it is but also I'm gonna write it in a way that's not like super super cringy yeah I I really like the fact you've never ever I don't think you've ever referred to a dick as a member oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um and I a member I, of what I, well so you remember how I was saying like fan fiction this is why I'm like because there was some dark times where someone was like oh member and I'm like the the tongues jeweled for dominance was my favorite yeah. fanfic. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, the flashbacks. The flashbacks. <laughs> you know, but like it is a really straightforward scene, but it's really like when you write, it's really vivid, and I can picture it. I'm like, it's hot. <laughs> like, so yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> when obviously you've done it so many times now, but do you still kind of get like? child this is a lot or, or do you just like are you, I, I can't imagine are you just writing it really factually um basically I feel like I approach I mean for one thing the sheer number of sex scenes I've read as a romance reader really helped me because obviously everything you read you kind of learn more about it and when you realize what you like and hate it helps you decide how to write um but I kind of view the sex scenes as an extension of the other forms of communication between the characters mm-hmm. so I try to write it in a way that's true to you know how they are with each other in every other respect and so I think that helps me keep it kind of realistic and grounded um, mm-hmm. but then at the same time I feel like I have to be very self-aware as a writer because when I'm writing something like a sex scene I have to make sure that I think it's hot because there's no point writing something that other people are going to think it's hot because no one is universally going to like it. So you at least need to like it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to think like, what am I putting in here because I think it's hot and does it fit the characters? And then also sometimes you get that point where you're like, well, I think XYZ is hot, but I don't want anyone to know I think it's hot because that's a little bit weird. So you hold back on putting it in. <laughs> But then you have to be like, no, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> so it's a it's a balance. I love that freedom though. It's like I think this is the thing, particularly with any kind of art, and this is where I'm trying to get to, and I hope other people are. It's like you make something, whether it's writing, music, whether it's acting, whatever, primarily you actually are doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for enjoyment. Um, which is why when I try and write anything, I'm like, because your brain automatically is like, would this get published is this good enough would you win the nobel sex prize for this <laughs> like whatever um and then sometimes it's like oh but maybe if i just enjoy it like even if it's got loads of typos even if it doesn't really make sense like i know what i'm trying to say so, so yeah i want to urge people to just do stuff because it makes you happy as opposed to how you think other people would perceive it that is my tidbit for the, re- the listeners i agree um I think the thing that um, I think is really, really interesting as well about romance as a genre, and I'm thinking a lot more about this anyway, is like, what do we see through the female gaze and what do we see through the male gaze? And one thing that I um, I think is actually really interesting is talking to friends about like where they got their first ideas about what sex is like. Because um, the thing for me was like, oh, the library is my oyster. And my parents like, yes, reading is good reading is good like staying at home all summer and reading is like much better than going off gallivanting with friends <laughs> and I was like haha if only you knew what I was up to what I was up to. <laughs> um, so like being able to explore that um and it's written by women for women gives you a very different approach to sex and relationships I think 
then getting your ideas about it from film and TV or pornography or like just online sources. And I think it's it like, you know, whether romance novelists see it that way or not, I think in some ways, like you are providing a resource that centers women's pleasure and women's needs and women's lives in a way that like so few media do. And I just wondered like, to what extent you've ever considered that? I feel like I do have so many thoughts on this because I, like you, was kind of sitting quietly in the library being such a good child, reading just like balls to the walls, romance novel sexy. <laughs> and that is definitely where I got my sex ed. I mean, my my mum did give me like proper talks, but she wasn't, obviously no one's parents are really giving them a talk about like, this might get you going or that might get you going. You have to figure that out for yourself. So <laughs> you can figure it out with like porn or things that you stumble upon on the internet um, or you can figure it out through other sources and romance is definitely one of those sources. Um, even like closed door romance, I feel often has like a, a sexual perspective, not that it is sexual, but that you can tell the the feelings, physical and or emotional of the characters if they do, you know, if they are into sex. And my just, thing is... Just, just for the listeners, so closed door romances, that's when it's oh, like, yeah. it alludes to the fact that they, like, something happened, but yeah. you never actually read it. So there's a sliding scale. There's some books where sex just isn't a thing, either because they're like religious books, like religious romances, or they're like asexual romances. And then there are books where they are having sex, but you don't see it. Like they go off into another room, you know, like it is in films. And then you see them lying in bed like, oh, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have like open door sex scenes like mine where you know what they're doing because I told you in great detail. <laughs> and honestly, I found all of those really helpful growing up, mainly because in romance, yeah, it is about everyone having a good time. Whereas some other sources, it's about one party having a good time or, or, you know, sometimes it's even worse than that. And my thing with romance is I feel that that focus on enjoyment is part of why romance is looked down on. It's seen as a feminine genre because it ties sex and emotion together and that's uh, girly and wishy-washy. And, you know, romance isn't all women, but the men and the non-binary people who are also in romance obviously non-binary people disrupt patriarchy just by existing in my opinion and and men the men in romance tend to be either queer or they directly oppose patriarchal perspectives and so what we're doing as a collective I feel it undermines what the status quo wants you to think sex is for and what it's about so yeah I have a lot of thoughts on that and basically I think romance is amazing <laughs> and that's my thesis <laughs> no I agree um did you actually did you watch Bridgerton no, I was literally I gonna bring up Bridgerton you oh, yeah I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say because actually Bridgerton made me be like why am I only reading contemporary romance like oh, I yes. I I know what I like, right? In terms of a book, really love contemporary. But then it's like, like you've mentioned, there's fantasy, there's so much more, there's period and, you know, it's so there's, there's so many doors to open, but mm -hmm. Bridgerton in particular, like obviously there's, there's sex scenes, um, particularly at the end of episode five and the start of episode six, um, montages, beautiful montages. Um, but that actually triggered a conversation that we were having, which was about, kind of the difference between watching it on TV when it is it feels like it's for a female gaze as opposed to male gaze where it is tender and it's actually even sometimes you can see stuff but you're really you might be focusing on the touches mm. focusing on the intimacy um, which is what I feel like you get from a lot of romance novels like it it I think um have you read the books that Bridgerton are based on either? Julia um, Quinn was actually the the first romance author I ever read but I've read that was when I was 12 and I love her books so I've reread some of them over the years 
but my memory is terrible. So. <laughs> no, that's fair. But it was definitely, you can tell where that series came from. Mm. Like, as somebody who reads romance, I was like, I was eating good. I was, <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what I like in my books, but it's on TV. So it's like a me- faithful adaptation. Yeah, look, I actually haven't read the book either. Like, but I can tell the just the root of it, like mm. the tension in it, like the enemies to lovers and the way that it's drawn out and the whole story. I was like, this is a romance novel. But like, this is absolutely because <laughs> if it was like a particularly like a Netflix original, like they have this obsession with making everything really nitty and gritty. Like, do you know what That's I mean? True, like yeah. and especially British, because we're having when I was talking to Icarus today, which comes to a roundabout question to you is when are we gonna see the Browns girls on TV? Um, because I was like I can see an American adaptation of these books because they are so light and even though they touch on dark things but obviously they're set in the UK um and I was like but in the UK who can do this without making without taking away that joy because you know we love our murder mysteries and you know somebody has to die and I don't want anyone to die um so yeah any TV deals in the pipeline? God, I wish. No. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, it's like you said, here in the UK, we love police procedurals. We love people cheating on each other. We love depression and death. Mm. Um, rom-coms, not so much. There was Michaela Cole, queen of TV and film, did that one, um, what's it called, Been Too Long? Chewing gum. Oh, so Being Too Long was the film on Netflix, and then yeah. Chewing Gum was like the TV show. Oh, I love Chewing Gum as well. She's she's giving us like the range, but I'm struggling to think. I don't know. I would love to see the Brown Sisters on TV or in film. Like that would be an absolute dream come true. But you know, if you're listening, hit me up. <laughs> I would also love to see it. And I really feel like it would fit really well on Netflix. Um, so Netflix need to get on that because they also need to, to diversify their um, lineup because even though it's like diverse, I'm like, I feel like you guys are doing the bare minimum. I need to step up a little bit. Yeah, mm. I need some emerging <laughs> black British talent, please. In a rom-com, in nothing that is like incredibly traumatic please just just of varying sizes of varying Mm. mental states disabilities Mm. like just give it to me all because i know you can that's the issue you've got money (laughs) um leading on from the bridgerton thing actually the thing that kind of struck me as well was because alicia and i watched bridgerton as it came out we were like screaming at each other about it um but one of the things that we talked about because we do love to critique and criticize uh, with love um, was that like it's really obvious that Bridgerton like the the race thing is like it's great like to have that kind of representation but it's also like race was not central to the original text and it's obvious because like they kind of touch on it a little bit but they're like they just don't want to get into it really someone just talked about um Shonda Rhimes' swirl agenda and I was like it's true it's, it's not wrong like it's Shonda wrong. I love you I beg you I'm not even slandering you but it's actually true <laughs> it is um and like nothing is going to get in the way of that um and like obviously it led to like very stupid racist debates about historical accuracy accuracy and like we're not here for that but I thought that the difference between something like Bridgerton and then something like your body of work is that like race is central and it shapes the characters and you don't shy away from it um but it's also like like it just the difference between something where like race race is kind of shoehorned in or like to, to make it a diverse thing and then something where like you come from a starting point where like this character is this race this character is this race here are all the things that come with that and like we're creating something beautiful with it that centers race and I was wondering like I don't know do you see that there are like white romance writers who are kind of trying to jump on like the diversity trend and like trying to write black and brown characters and then doing it badly um and like how like what what advice would you give to people who want to do what you've done and to to basically bring race in in a way that's like organic and useful one thing i would say is to anyone who is really loving bridgerton but does want you know especially to people of color who are really loving bridgerton but want something where race is more integrated into the text you need miss beverly jenkins 
So I have heard about her being like, the legend <laughs> started it all. And yes. I am almost too scared to touch it. I have no idea why. I'm like, it's just the intimidation. I'm like, you are the, you're the reason why I am doing what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> look, I've tra- look, I mentioned it to my cousins who are like growing out of it. They were like, oh, I know about Miss Beverly. And I was like, <laughs> Everybody knows. If you don't know, you need to, you need to get to know. No, like, no. she has... First of all, she has so many books, like over a hundred, I'm sure, um, because she's been doing this for so long and she is a master of her craft. I love her books. You sit down with them and you know that you're going to feel things, which is what I need. I need to reliably feel things. Um, and she writes black historical romance, usually set in the Americas, mostly I think North America, but I've read ones that are set in like the Caribbean. She has pirate books, which I love and which not enough people do. More pirate <laughs> books, please. Um, Can we, like, abandon the whole, like, when we think of pirates, we go straight to Pirates of Caribbean, the films. Like, nah, like, I feel like a good pirate story, like, I could, I could get into it. I exactly. And, like, pirates and also I feel like Western and cowboy vibes. They're all very whitewashed, but this is very much black and brown history and she really reflects that with all the accompanying sexy western vibes which I love (laughs) and she's also just so smart like I feel like reading her books makes me smarter which is good because like I said I hate researching um so I'm getting smarter by osmosis while reading romance (laughs) so I just wanted to put that out there for anyone who's feeling those feelings you need Beverly Jenkins um you need Vanessa Riley also writing historical romance with characters of colour. Um, you need Piper Hewley. Just it's Look, it's her with her pen. I really am just making notes. Like, I'm, like, I'm just like, I'm not writing, but I'm like, I know I'm gonna listen to this episode back and be like, one, you sound like a mad person being so fangirly, and two, writing all this stuff down. <laughs> but oh, oh, also um Jeannie Lynn, she writes like Asian historical romance mostly I think it's all Chinese I want to say and she's amazing she also has a kind of like historical mystery type book that I'm reading that I really loved as well so basically there's a lot going on um but anyway (laughs) back to the actual question I'm so sorry I went on a tangent back to the actual question um I do think you know I'm hearing white authors saying oh, it's so easy for people of colour now, it's so trendy, and blah, 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 wine, 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 Um, which is ludicrous, because, you know, if you look at the hard numbers, it's very much, we're emerging as the result of years and years of hard work by people like Beverly Jenkins, like, we've passed the stage where there can only be one Black romance per season, and one story like this, and one story like that, um, and I guess to people who are used to having the run of the place, it looks like we're taking over. <laughs> that is unfortunately not happening, wish it was, but it's not. Um, but I am seeing a lot of conversation between white authors who are saying, well, I'm going to write a character like this or like that, because obviously that's what I need to do to get points. Um, But one thing I will say is that at least in romance, which is really all I pay attention to, I haven't actually seen a ton of that getting published and taking up attention, which is great. It seems just to be discontented mumblings. Um, But I also see a lot of white authors who are saying, I would like to include more characters of colour, but I'm not sure how to do it. And it's really just what we were discussing before. You know, if you have an inclusive circle, then it's a lot of a more natural starting place because we all write worlds that reflect our own world, right? So if your world is very white, then obviously that's what your books look like. Um, And if it's not, then it's gonna be easier for you to reflect that authentically. And I think authenticity is key. You can't do it because you think it's trendy or it's gonna get you points and you can't shoehorn it in because you want to appease some of your readers who are people of color and want to be seen you have to do it because it just feels real to you and natural to you and I think that's you know I can't tell anyone how to 
feel that way or I can't tell anyone how to do that it's a it's a them problem I love that it's a them problem but also to build on what you said because I think in one of our episodes we actually did talk to um Amy Falone who um works on with Nights Off so they publish like diverse children's books um and we were just kind of talking about having especially especially as people of color and black people and we're growing up we have have to almost learn how to decenter whiteness in our daydreams in our mm. writings because if you'd ask I think in year 11 you asked me to write something for English and I think I did like center a white character because I was like that was at, also at the height of like twilight so that was very much where my head was um but then like that was the default you know and then you have to kind of grow and as I'm reading other people's books at like your books you know I'm reading Alyssa Cole um, I'm, I'm reading all these other like great authors and I'm just like oh no I get to choose like I have to act I can actively choose who I put in there like it doesn't have to be um you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be like a random blonde girl like even now sometimes I'll be reading a book and they're telling me the girl is blonde but she's not like in my head you yeah. know she's my hue she's got like I might have gone on Pinterest and been like black girl and I'm like you <laughs> I, look, I love to I love to cast books when I read them so like I will go on Pinterest I'm like who does this person look like because sometimes it comes naturally to me sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. so when I was reading um Chloe Brown I found this one person and I was like you are Chloe Brown <laughs> you you the body type the hair like you are her like it it makes sense and so when it clicks it's just so nice um but yeah and then other times they're like this person has like really long red hair and I'm like no 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 you're <laughs> mistaken <laughs> <laughs> oh god um I don't know if I have any more questions that are not gushing Ikra do you have any questions I feel like I, I'm trying to keep an eye on the time and I feel like we've gone for like just over an hour. Oh yeah, sorry. We're just eating your time. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. Amount of time. So I guess we should wrap it up. It's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you. I've enjoyed this so much. I hope you have because I've really enjoyed <laughs> I have. I've had such a fun time talking to you guys. So thank you. Thank you for writing and um, thank you, like also like inspiring other people because like, you know, there will be people who are like, why did you start this? And then some people will say your name, like let's say Beverly Jenkins, because oh also people are younger than both me and Ifra. I think, are you like you're 24, 25? I'm 25. 25. Well, I'm about to turn 26. So like we're around the same age and like you're doing big stuff already. You know, if you Google Talia, it says like, USA Today's bestseller like that is a title that comes up with your name like do you know what I mean so you're doing really big things and I think it's going to get even bigger like I absolutely do think it might not be next year but we will see the brown girls on tv at some point and I'm so excited about whatever you write next do you know what you're going to write next do you have any I do I'm writing um like a spin-off series of the brown sisters so Eve's book takes place in a small town called Skybriar and I'm writing a series set in the town about Eve's hero's best friend and his sisters. Content, more for <laughs> baby. Um, and I'm assuming, is that next year? I want to say yes. Yes, yes. Okay, yes. I have all of your back catalogue to get through, so we've we time, we've time. Um, yeah, where can people find you on social media? Where can people find your work? You said that um, Actor Age Eve Brown is coming out tomorrow. This will probably be coming out in a week and a half or so. So, Actor Age Eve Brown is coming out on the 9th of March, which by the time this is released will be available. So, head to your local bookstore if you have one <laughs> and, and find it there. Yeah, or hive.co.uk if you want to be. Uh, if you don't want to give Jeff Bezos any money. <laughs> I feel like we shit on Amazon so much on this podcast. Like, As why? <laughs> I mean, I, was like, I say why. I know why. But, I'm like... <laughs> but yeah, where can people find you, Talia? Um, so I am on Twitter and Instagram at Talia Hibbert. And on Facebook, I am author Talia Hibbert. And I have a Facebook reader group called Talia Hibbert's Hopeless Romantics um but most wait what is this because oh how am I not on this 
it's a fun time I think it's a fun time what, is it a Facebook memes. group yeah it's a Facebook group and um we just chill in there and talk about books every so often I like post a review for a book I've read and I'm like oh this book was amazing um but mostly it's just people posting memes and stuff oh amazing <laughs> yes um, and where can people find your books where can people buy your books would you like um, you can buy my books pretty much anywhere I think you know yeah I'm gonna say anywhere they're available in ebook audiobook paperback and if you hit up an indie bookstore or you go to I don't know Waterstones or wherever you should be able to find them or if not you can be like do you have this book and they'll be like we can order it for you um, and if you want lots of links you can go on my website I tried to put as many links as I can on there and um, it's taliahibbert.com and yeah oh thank you so much for chatting to us it's been so lovely this has been a great day this a great way to spend two hours on a monday um, um where can people find us alicia we should do that when you i was like oh, wait what is there still more to talk about yeah but no we need to direct people to us so um <laughs> You can find us on Facebook at Brown Girls Do It. You can find us on Twitter at Brown Girls Do It. You can also find us on Instagram at Brown Girls Do It. And if you want to drop us an email, you can find us at browngirlsdoit at gmail.com.